How are we doing, Wolfpack fans? This is Pack Center. I am your host, Austin Paschke, joined by my co-host, like always, Tyler Seth. Today's going to be a great episode. We break down football's game against Hawaii on Saturday. We also break down a couple other sports. We break down soccer, volleyball, men's, and women's golf. It's going to be a long one, but it's going to be a good one, guys. Stay tuned, and let's get right into it. Alrighty, the first sport up today, soccer, who is off to, like we've been saying, a little bit of a slow start. There's time to jump back. Mountain West play starts on Friday, today, 6.30 tonight. Soccer has their first Mountain West game of the season against an 8-1 Boise State squad. So... So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see that, see how we play. We are currently one in six, so we could do a little bit better to start the year, obviously. But it will be interesting to see how we do against a very very good Boise State squad, probably the best in the Mountain West. So we'll see how we can do against the best. They also take on Utah State at Mackey Stadium at 1 p.m. on Sunday. So it'll be good to get out and see both games that how soccer does against both teams. Utah State's 5-3, and three, so maybe we can pull out a win against Utah State. Obviously, they will struggle against Boise State. Doesn't mean they will automatically lose. They might be able to pull up a really good upset and pull off the victory, but Utah State's the game that I'm really looking at. They might be able to squeak it out. Who knows? Kendall Stovall might be able to you know, clutch up and, you know, shut them out. We find the back of the net. Just once. Just once. All we once. need is one. If Kendall's been playing like she has been playing, all we need is one, and she could probably shut it down for Utah State. Boise State, yeah, it's probably another uh, another question. Um, it's going to be a real tough game for the Pack. And I'm kind of interested to see how they do today. I'm interested to see how we do today as well against Boise. We have only scored Two goals in seven games. We have only scored in six in one game out of all of our seven. There's been six games where we have not scored at all. So it'll be interesting that to see if we can find the back of the net and make these games interesting a little bit. So get out to Mackey this weekend. We have a lot of action going on at Mackey this weekend. It is homecoming week, which is always fun. There's a lot of events going on on campus. Students are hyped. Football team's hyped, but soccer is also hyped. Friday, I think they have a whiteout. They're giving away free T-shirts to anyone that goes. It's going to be a free white so T-shirt. Yesterday, so why wouldn't Nevada you? Volleyball I think it'll be fun. To the road um, we get to watch a pretty good soccer club season. take the part pack in who are some Mountain West and play. And you get a free yesterday's game fell to Fresno so State why Bulldogs. Why the heck not? In On to volleyball. Sets. Not the best showing that you would want to see from Nevada Volleyball after going 10-2 in the non-conference. But they bounce back on Saturday at the Virginia Street Gym as the Pack hosts San Diego State at 1 p.m. So everyone get out and support. Maybe we can go one-on-one in this early conference schedule. In Thursday's game, the sets went 25-21, 25-20, and 25-20. Freshman Sidney Peterson and junior Cassie McGill led the offense with eight kills each. Dalen Burns tallied 26 assists with Kayla Foa responsible for 16 digs. So we see some familiar names with Kayla Foa being recognized again. It was all in all a close three sets, but we couldn't get one as Fresno State swept volleyball. 
Uh, they face San Diego State Saturday at 1 tomorrow. Get out Saturday, Virginia Street Gym at 1. We play San Diego State University. It's always a good rivalry when the Aztecs come into Reno, so that will be interesting to see. The volleyball team, like we've been saying, is off to a really good start, so it'll be interesting to see how they play against Mountain West competition. This will be kind of the first kind of view as Mountain West play and see how we can actually do if we'll be able to win the Mountain West or at least compete for a title. The non-conference schedule always is kind of iffy. You don't know how good the teams are that we play. and um, But 10-2 and in non-conference is pretty darn good, so we'll be able to see how we do this weekend at the uh, Virginia Street Gym. And then, last but not least, we got some golf action. Men's golf, they took on Oregon State on Monday, the Wolfpack Invitational. They had the upper hand in the opening round in the 36-hole event. They carded a team score of 281 to Oregon State's 289. The Beavers took charge, though, in the afternoon, combining for a team round of 278 to the Pack's 297. All in all, Oregon State topped Nevada by a final tally of 567, which is a 9 under par, to 578, which is a 2 over par. It's a little different than we predicted. We predicted a win by the Pack because they were playing on our own course. We were playing on Montreux. So you definitely thought that we were going to win. But Oregon State, you know, proved to have the upper hand. They are a pretty good golf squad, so they came in there and it took us to town. But we had some, we had some pretty good uh, individual scores from the official Wolfpack team lineup. Sam Harn and Tony Gill posted the top scores as each of them finished the day at one under par. So shout out to Sam Harn, who is having a heck of a year so far. He is golfing. Probably the probably the best golfer on the squad as of right now. But Harnd and Gill both shot rounds of 72 and 71 on the day to tie for fourth place in a 19-player field. So you'd like our pack players to get up there in the standings a little bit more. Oregon State took first, second, and third spots. So you'd like to see them get up there a little bit more. But fourth is not bad. Fellow senior Sam Meek tied for seventh at one over after rounds of 68 and 67. Newcomers Cam Kellett and Griffin Cooper placed 10th and 19th, respectively. Nevada returns to action at the Alistair McKenzie Invitational October 7th through the 8th at the Metalwood Club in Fairfax, California. So we'll be able to have a little bit of time off from golf. You know, they don't they don't uh, play till October 7th and 8th, but golf is off to a really good start, and I think they'll be able to continue that uh, forward. Yeah, definitely, and adding new pieces too. The new guy, Griffin Cooper, Urington native, um, played one season at Fresno uh, during the 2017-18 campaign uh, before sitting out a year and then transferring to Nevada, which was announced by the school on Thursday. Really good to get another golfer, another solid golfer. I believe he holds the NIAA uh, lowest single season scoring at like a 68-something or a 66, 68, somewhere around there, which is very impressive. So that's always a good sign to have. But, yeah, our golf team, unlike we predicted, kind of taking a tough one there to Oregon State. But um, all in all, I like the direction of this team. We're still having players shoot under par, which is always a good sign. Um, but it is a team sport in the end. Even though you think of golf as kind of an individual sport in college, it is kind of a team sport. And when some of your lower golfers aren't playing their best golf, it could really drag the team down. But, yeah, all in all, uh, Nevada golf definitely on the up and up, like we've been saying. Uh, probably one of the more fun sports to kind of keep track of this fall so far. 
Yeah, definitely. They've been they've been in the up and up. They've been doing very well. We'll be able to see how well they can do in the Alistair McKenzie Invitational. Again, that's October 7th and 8th, so we'll be taking a little bit of break off golf, but we will be able to recap that after it happens. But women's golf is taking action as well. They took they had their first five, top 5 finish of the season on Tuesday. They claimed third place at the Corar de Aline Collegiate Invitational. Hosted by Gonzaga. Say that three times fast. No thanks. Bet you couldn't. <laughs> the Wolfpack posted the third best team round of the day in the 16-team field, carding a 9 over 293 of on the day. For the entire tournament, Nevada finished a 24 over par, four shots behind BYU for the runner-up spot. So not bad. They, I mean, they did finish 24 over par, but... I mean, third in the field, it's not too bad, right? We'll take it all day long. Right? They, we will take it. That's for darn sure. Senior Katie Rutherford put together a solid performance for the Wolfpack as she snagged sole possession of the runner-up spot, a career-best finish. So congrats to Katie on that. She was steady all tournament long with rounds of 72, 71, and 72 to finish at two over par. Her 11 birdies in the 54-hole span was tied with one other for the tournament lead. So Katie did really well for the for women's golf. They all together did really, really well. They finished top five, finished top three, but it was their first top five finish of the season on Tuesday. I, I think they did really good, and I think they're going to be able to c- continue to keep performing at this level. They return to the Heart Bottle Invitational October 14th and 15th at Tacoma Country Club in Lakewood, Washington. So again, a little bit of a longer break than men's golf even. So they're going to take a little bit of a break after this pretty good showing um, at the Corridor de, de Aline Collegiate Invitational. How do you think uh, women's golf is going to fare uh, October 14th and 15th? I mean, it's a long, long break. So hopefully uh, the ladies don't get too complacent. Uh, hopefully they can also fix some stuff in this in this time that they need to. Um with golf, I know there's always a lot of little tweaks and little adjustments you can make to your putting game, chipping game, driving game, iron game, anything like that. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see you know, some of their tweaks, and hopefully they all work on some of their weaknesses uh, while improving on their strengths and then just get back out there October 14th and 15th um, and play some good golf. But, yeah, Katie Rutherford might be in contention for uh, player of the week maybe in Ooh, pack center. Got to look for it. You never know. She might be in contention. For pack player of the week, who knows? But she did have a very good performance. I mean, that's definitely she's making a good uh, argument for it. Oh, definitely, runner-up finish in a 16-team field is something you should be very, very proud of. But as soon as golf comes back, we are going to give you all the updates. But they will be off for a little bit, so stay tuned for that. But now up to the nitty-gritty, the fun stuff. Not the the other sports aren't fun, but this fun stuff. Hawaii is coming to town. Nevada football takes on the Rainbow Warriors as they come to Mackey, 7.30 on Saturday at Mackey Stadium. ESPN2, if you're a lunatic and don't want to come out to Mackey Stadium for some weird reason, I don't know. I don't know. It's supposed to be, might have a chance of rain too, so. Rain, schmain. Doesn't mean anything. I agree. 
I'm just trying to give the people a cop-out. No, no cop-out. You need to be there 7.30 Saturday at Mackey Stadium as Hawaii comes to town. Now, this is going to be a game to watch. This is going to be a good one. Hawaii is a really good team in the West Division. They're currently 3-1. and one. Just like us, they beat Arizona, Oregon State, and the FCS School Central Arkansas. They lost to a really good Washington team, so that makes sense. But beat two Pac-12 teams. I mean, it's impressive. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. Their last game was against Central Arkansas. They won 35 to 16. Hawaii scored a quick 28 points, all scored in the second quarter, then scored late in the fourth quarter to make it 35 16. Hawaii doesn't really run the ball much. They like to throw the ball a lot. Cole McDonald likes to spread it out all over the field. They only ran the ball 113 yards on 24 attempts against Central Arkansas. They threw for 300 yards and four TDs, though, so that's definitely more than making up for it. They had 20 plays less on offense than Central Arkansas, but still outgained them 413 yards to 335. So, I mean, even though it is an FCS school, they can still put up some good numbers. They can still move the ball. It's a really high, explosive offense that's kind of scaring me a little bit. Not, not going to lie. Yeah. It'll um, be interesting to watch. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one. I I guarantee you, too, uh, on those 24 attempts, a lot of those came in the latter half of the game when they were just trying to chew the clock. Yeah. So this is definitely an offense that loves to spread it out with Cole McDonald. He has great receivers on the uh, either side of him, which we'll touch on a little bit later. But, yeah, this team loves to throw the ball, and they do it very, very well. They do it really well. They, we have some familiarity, too, on Hawaii's team. Nick Rolovich, their head coach, coached here uh, from 2012 to 2015. He, we were, he was – our offensive coordinator from that time. And both Norvell and him kind of have similar resume. They took over similar programs, both in rebuild years. They both won three games in 2017. They both won eight games last year, and both are off to a 3-1 start this year. It's kind of weird. That is very strange. That's a little, that's a little weird just to be like mirrored like that, but it's what's working for them. They both took over rebuild teams, and it's now to see what they're doing is pretty impressive. They both have at least one win against a Power 5 program as well. Hawaii is two. We have one, so it's, it's pretty good. Could have had two if we would have scored 72 more points, but it's all good. Both teams are doing really well right now. Hawaii has gone 1-8 all-time in Reno. Something about that elevation just gets them. They cannot play in Mackey Stadium, and they are 1-8 against us in all-time. Nevada is a heavy running team, and we are going up against a weaker defense, and Hawaii is a pass-heavy team going up against a weaker secondary. So I really want to see how this this matchup plays out because it is going to be a high-scoring game. The defenses, I feel like, are going to both struggle and I'm excited to see a run-and-gun offense like Hawaii, and especially with Cole McDonald, the way he can throw is um, is going to be really fun to watch, I feel like. Yeah, especially Cole McDonald, what we've seen in the first couple of weeks, kind of a lot of high-risk, high-reward kind of type of a quarterback. Um, throws a lot of interceptions, but also throws a lot of touchdowns. So it's a kind of a give-and-take give with um, Hawaii's offense. But, yeah, this is going to be – I agree with you. I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see because kind of both teams – their offensive strengths are the defensive's weaknesses. Yeah. So it's kind of like that reverse flip-flop kind of thing. So it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how this game plays out. Our secondary has been, as we've noted, has been struggling. The first two games they struggled, um, you know, mightily. And then the fir- the last two games, not so much, but we are playing lesser, you know, opponents that run heavy teams. That's for, that's for sure. This is not a run-heavy team. They throw the ball 62% of the time. 
but they struggle with interceptions, like you said. They rank dead last in the FBS in interceptions thrown per game. They average 2.7 interceptions per game. That's literally per game. They're throwing at least two interceptions. So that is not good for the Rainbow Warriors. This is great news, though, for our secondary, who ranks eighth in the country in INTs. So maybe, you know, the turnover towel is going to be busy again. We are tied with six other teams. Numbers four through nine are tied with 1.7 interceptions per game. So I think the turnover towel is going to be busy. Coach Jaws is going to be running up and down the sideline with that uh, turnover towel. Hopefully we can get a couple. Maybe Daniel Brown can keep his spot at the top and get another pick. Their quarterback, though, Cole McDonald, he's a stud. We've been saying it since day one. He is 106 pass completions on 160 attempts on the year for a total of 1,317 yards, 13 TDs. So he's on pace for an incredible year so far. His last game against Central Arkansas, he went 25 for 32, four touchdowns, and one INT. So while interceptions are definitely a problem for him and Hawaii, he's looking to have a really good year. Um, definitely, he's like he said for almost like three thousand yards, a bunch of TDs. I mean, he's looking he's looking good. So maybe our secondary can um, can step up. That they rank first in the FBS though, like we said, but in, in interceptions, so it's not what you want to be ranked first for. He threw the least against Central Arkansas, but he only, he only threw the ball 32 times. They don't run the ball. They throw the ball all over the field. I mean, throwing only 32 times against one team, that's the lowest amount of passes they've thrown against a team is 32 times. So they love throwing the ball around. Maybe our secondary is going to be able to step up. Who knows? I mean, hopefully, you'd hope to see it. You know, we do have some ball hawks in that secondary, which we've seen um, in the past you know, first games of the season. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. Daniel Brown, does he start another streak with interceptions? Oh, yeah. Um, you got a lot of other linebackers and DBs that are also really ball-hungry as well. I agree with you. I think the turnover towel is going to be very, very yeah. busy at Mackey on Saturday. I think Jaws is going to get himself a workout, yeah. running up and down that sideline, using all of his energy that he does have. Um, but, yeah, again, a really talented quarterback, though, in Cole McDonald. Um, nothing against him, just throwing a lot of interceptions. But – he could definitely torch us pretty well if uh, we're not careful. Yeah, the re- the rest of the uh, offense is pretty w- well-rounded. Their offensive line is their most experienced group on the team. They have 81 starts on this squad. It is a veteran group that returns four starters. They have let up just six sacks on the entire season on 179 passing attempts. So our defensive line is going to have their work cut out for them. Their running backs, even though they don't run the ball that much, they have pretty good um, talent back there. They split the running back duties between Miles Reed and Fred Hawley III. Fred Hawley III was actually their number one guy last year, but Miles Reed has kind of taken over that role. This year, Reed ran for 60 yards on 10 carries against Central Arkansas. The next leading rusher in that game was McDonald with four rushes for 42 yards. So Fred Hawley III hasn't really been seeing the field that much. I don't think they're going to be able to see the field that much against our defense either because I'm sure, as Hawaii knows, our weakness is our secondary, so I doubt they're going to be running the ball too much against us. Their wide receivers, though, some names to look for. Cedric Bird II. We talked about him last year. He is a senior who has had 33 catches for 411 yards, six TDs over the first four games. JoJo Ward is also a senior, another name you need to look for. 23 catches, 350 yards, and six TDs as well. Something interesting about them is both these wide receivers have had four TD games so far. Both of them has have at least one four TD game, which is 
incredible. It's very impressive. So the other games, they've been kind of quiet, but, I mean, when they break out, they break out in large numbers thanks to the amount of passes they do throw by Colt McDonald. So this offense is dangerous. This offense is fast-powered. I think they can put up a lot of scores against us, but their defense, though. That's another story. Right. This is definitely their weak spot. This is going to allow us to kind of keep head-to-head battles with them and maybe score just as much as they're going to score. They rank 110th in opponents' points per game. They average to give up 39 points per game. They rank 103rd in opponents' yards per game and 474 yards per game. Their defense is just, you know, all over the field. They just let up running plays. They let up long pass plays. They're 117th in opponents' yards per play at 6.9. Their defense sets toe up nicely for a huge game, which we have yet to see in our four games so far. Their defensive line may be the worst group on the field on Saturday. They allow teams 6.02 yards per carry, the fifth worst in the FBS. All four of Hawaii's opponents have averaged at least 5.56 yards per carry. Central Arkansas gained 153 yards on the ground on 23 attempts with a touchdown as well, and that's an FCS school doing this to them. They average 1.25 sacks a game and is ranked 109th in sacks per game. So they don't really rush the quarterback that well, which could be good for Carson, who I don't want to say doesn't like using his legs a little bit, but, I mean, he'd much rather stay in the pocket. Yeah, you could tell he's much more comfortable when he's sitting in the pocket. Yeah, so that's good for us. I mean, their D-line can't really pressure the quarterback that well. And against our struggling O-line, the Union might have a pretty good day come Saturday. They lost their number one linebacker, though, last year to the NFL draft. They are now led by Solomon Matutia, who has put together a all right year so far. His best game, he had seven total tackles against Oregon State. In their game against Central Arkansas, he only had four tackles. Their linebackers are kind of like their D-line. They don't really have much to show. That's why they've been getting torched in the run game. Their secondary, though, it's probably their best group on defense. They, you know, even though it's not really saying much, they rank 83rd in the country in passing yards allowed per game at 244 yards per game allowing teams only 82% of the passes completed. So while they're kind of middle of the pack secondary, I don't think we're going to be passing the ball much at all. Maybe Toa actually breaks out of his shell and has a huge game. But I think overall our offense matches up pretty well against their defense, I would say. Yeah, I like I like the offensive matchup for Nevada, definitely. Like you said, probably the worst two positions on the field in total for the Rainbow Warriors is their linebacking core and their defensive line. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see if we actually give Toa the ball and um, or we kind of split the carries like we've been doing. Um, I have a kind of a weird feeling it's going to be to split the carries like always, but, uh, you know, you'd love to see kind of Toa get loose against this Hawaii team, and I'm sure he wants to get loose against this Hawaii team. It's just a matter of getting him touches and getting him going in the game. But yeah, offensively, I love uh, what our matchups are looking like. Even in the secondary, I think uh, Elijah Cooks, Caleb Fossum, a lot of those guys can really get down the field and make some good routes and then have Carson just hit him right in the chest and you know break out some good plays, maybe on some play-action plays if we're going to be running the ball a lot. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to kind of see that, but I do see our offense having a pretty solid day in Mackey. Yeah, I think for offense to have a, a stellar day and a really – to set up Toa nicely, we're going to have to have someone other than Elijah Cook step up in the passing game, whether that's Romeo Dubs, 
Caleb Fossum, another wide receiver, has to step up and really deter these linebackers from not just loading eight and nine in the box to stop our running game. We need someone else to step up on the wide receiver group. But I disagree about Toa. I think he's going to have a breakout game, and I think we're going to feed him. I think he might even have over 20 touches this game because I think they've been saving him. I think these these non-conference games, they've been splitting the carries, and they've been making sure he doesn't get injured. They know what he has back there. Like I don't see a world where we have the Mountain West Freshman Player of the Year as our running back, and then he has a sophomore season like this where we're literally giving him maybe 25% of touches. I, I honestly don't get it. So I think that they've been kind of resting him for the non-conference, and now that the conference is upon us, I think he's going to have over 20 touches, and especially giving up to FC school, FCS school who ran 153 yards and one TD, I don't know. I think Toa could at least run for like over 100 yards and two TDs. I'd love to see it. I hope Toa gets all the touches like he deserves. I feel like he yes. is the leader in that backfield. Yes. Um, I like that point, though. They might have been saving him for conference. You know, they have two other, you know, pretty good running backs back there and Jackson Kincaid definitely. and Kelton Moore. So I could see definitely that point of them saving him uh, for Mountain West and then kind of cutting him loose. The only problem I have with that, though, is he's really not getting into his rhythm like he would like to probably. He's not getting the touches he would like. But hopefully he starts anew this week and goes really on a tear. Yeah, I mean, Kincaid – Jackson Kincaid and um, Kelton Moore are, are really good running backs in their own right. But, it's I mean, Toa Tawa is a special running back. He's a special kid. I mean, he has speed, and then he can definitely lower his shoulder and run over anyone he wants. So it'll be interesting to see how many attempts that he gets because I think I don't think we're going to be successful if he doesn't touch the ball more than 20 times. It's going to be really hard because we're, our offense needs to get going to keep up with their offense, who's going to score a lot. And to get that going, I think we're going to have to get our running game going like we've been saying, but we just haven't really seen it yet. So, But another question I want to pose is how long do you think we're going to see Carson out there? Is it the entire game? Is it one half? Is you Because know, if he starts struggling, now's when the game, especially this game, out of all games, like this game, it's a Mountain West, West Conference game. It's, a, it's I mean, this is the games we need to win to win a Mountain West Conference title. So... If he starts struggling, you never know. We could easily put someone in there. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be based on performance with kind of Jay Norvell knowing that we have two very good quarterbacks behind him and that have both proven themselves in-game situations like we saw last week at UTEP. For his sake, I really hope he stays in there more than that, though, and I hope Jay lets him learn from his mistakes. If we really want Carson to be our quarterback of the future, I think he has to take these games and take those hits on the chin and really kind of learn from his mistakes against this Hawaii defense and some team who's probably going to be seeing for the next, you know, two, three years. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I hope for Carson's sake, if we do want him as our quarterback of the future, I hope he stays in there and I think um, we can kind of afford to let him make some mistakes. Um, but at the same time, I could easily see Jay Norvell pulling him um, after a couple INTs and really having Christian or Malik just take the helm and uh, win this game. Yeah, because both Malik and Christian have something that Carson Strong just doesn't have, and that's the running ability. To So especially against a team that struggles so much against the run, it'll be interesting to see that maybe we can just kind of, you know, have our quarterbacks run the ball a little bit and really utilize this option offense that we can have and that we can, you know, we can do without Carson in the game. But on the defensive side of the ball, Daniel Brown ranks third in the country for INTs per game with three picks in four games. So he wasn't able to continue his streak, but 
Could, like you said, could start a new one now that Mountain West play is up. We match up nicely against Hawaii. All we need is our secondary to step up, and that is an understatement. If they can play one hell of a game and get a couple turnovers, this game's ours. No doubt about it. I definitely, yeah. I think if they can have the second half against Purdue that they yes. had and translate that into a full game at Mackey Stadium against Hawaii, I think it's going to be a really good day for the pack, but it's going to be really tough to kind of do that when they Hawaii has a lot of different good receivers and oh, a yeah. very good quarterback that knows his receivers can and can really spread out the ball on this uh, defense. Well, I, what I think we do is just have like three down linemen. We have maybe Lawson Hall, maybe Gabe Sewell as our linebackers, and then just drop back everyone, dude. Just everyone have like else. five in the box and just play like six DBs. Just make sure they just cannot throw the ball whatsoever. But I think our D-line needs to have a huge game. Dom Peterson needs – I know we say it every week. Dom needs to step up. Don, and he's been doing well. But I think this game, like, he needs to have a huge game. Maybe a forced fumble. Maybe a couple sacks. Because if we pressure Cole McDonald into throwing bad passes and we force him into throwing an interception like he's so used to throwing, then maybe we actually have a shot. I would say one fumble and one interception, we're in this game, no doubt. I know we aren't, like, I know we're favorited, but I still think at the same time we're not really favorited just because of how high-powered this Hawaii offense is. If we don't give Cole McDonald a lot long time to throw the ball, then we might be chilling for the entire game because our defense will be able to step up. And you, you can't just let him sit there in the pocket and throw for – have like three seconds to throw the ball. He's going to be – he's going to torch us for like 300 yards. So. I 100% agree. That was actually a point I was going to bring up in our keys to the game once we got there. We need to put pressure on Cole McDonald because without pressure, he can sit in the pocket, like you said, all day and really show off his arm. But I feel like when he gets pressured, he makes mistakes, and he makes a lot of mistakes. Yes. So whether that pressure comes from linebackers, D linemen, wherever, it needs to come fast and it needs to come often because when he's feeling flustered, um, he makes a lot of mistakes. Again, he can run the ball with his legs. You know, We've seen him scramble. Uh, they second-leading rusher last game. Yep. Um, so we know he can get outside the pocket and make some plays with his legs, but um, I think for our main focus on defense has to be get pressure on the quarterback this week. I think it's a must, and I think if we don't get that, it's going to be a really long day for the pack and just having Cole sit in the pocket, torch our secondary, and then uh, not have it really be looking good. Yeah, uh, and you touched on right when this episode started. Uh, it will be raining on Saturday. And that's everyone's been talking about. How is the weather going to impact Cole McDonald throwing the ball? Um, but, I mean, like Chris Murray talked about, I mean, statistics actually show that people throw a little bit better in the rain. Uh, DBs don't have their footing. I mean, wide receivers know where they're going, and uh, defensive backs have to adjust to that. So I think it'll be interesting, not so much the weather, but more the elevation and how, I mean, Hawaii's obviously used to playing at sea level, no elevation whatsoever, and now they come up to Reno. I mean, that might be part of the reason why they're 1-8 and eight here. They just are gassed by the fourth quarter, and that's when we play our best football is when the fourth quarter comes around. So it'll be interesting to see how not the, so much the weather affects them, but the elevation and how when the fourth quarter comes around, if we're in a close shootout game, how we're going to be able to kind of take advantage of that. But what are some of your keys to the game now that we're starting to wrap up? Um, how do you think we're going to be able to beat the Rainbow Warriors? Uh, first key, like I said, obviously get pressure on Cole McDonald. Without our pressure on Cole McDonald, I think we lose this game. Um, there's no chance we can beat them if he 
just has all the time in the world to sit in the pocket and make plays like he's been doing these past couple weeks. Uh, probably my second key is to get Carson and Toa going early. I know it's kind of a lot to ask, but if we can have one of them going early, I think that it's going to set up the other one really well uh, later down the line and later in the game. Um, and obviously for the last key is just have our DBs have a crazy game. You know, have a good game plan coming couple in. Couple picks. Couple picks. Know your receivers. Know who his targets are, who his favorites are. Um, be studying the film, and I think uh, their preparation is going to be really huge this week. Yeah, my keys to the game is the union needs to step up. Our O-line needs to have a great game. They've been kind of slacking as of late. They haven't been really getting They haven't been getting that push. But if they have a really good game, they set up a pocket for Carson, let him throw where he wants to throw, and get a good push for Toa, who I think is going to be set up for you know, one of the best games of the season, in my opinion, then I think it's going to be a successful game. We need to get turnovers as well, though. We have been really good at getting turnovers. Um, we got three picks last week. I know that's against UTEP, but still, we, we've been really good at getting turnovers in this, uh, in this season. And Hawaii's been really good at giving up the ball. So if we can get just a couple of their turnovers that they've been uh, giving up as of, as of late, then I think, we can, I think we can win. And this is a very, very important game. I know we've been talking about, but there is conference implication that this game holds. If you look at the Mountain West Conference, at least for the West, it is Fresno State, San Jose State, Hawaii, Nevada, San, San Diego State, and the little brother down south. So this game, I mean, I would say Nevada, Hawaii, and San Diego State are really the three that you need to beat. I mean, and Fresno. Yeah. And Fresno. But I, I feel like Fresno's kind of dipped a little bit. And I think Hawaii is might be one of the toughest teams in the West right now. I think this could be, once we, you know, end of the football season, we look back on it, I think it could end up being a 1-2 in the West scenario yeah. that we're seeing week one in Mountain West conference play, which is absolutely crazy. But, yeah, this is going to get – I think it's going to be a game we look back at and are kind of like pointing at this game saying, you know, this really helped us or this really hurt us at the end of the season. Oh, I agree. That's why this game is so vital to how our season goes. This will literally set the tempo for our entire conference schedule. This will set the tempo on how things look in the West. That's why I need everyone to get out there. There's no excuse if it's raining, if it's cold or whatever. Everyone get out there at Mackey. I know it's a little bit of a late kickoff, 730. You're going to be there a little late, but you know what? Suck it up. I want to hear it. You got all day Sunday to recover, so we'll be fine. Right, yeah. You have two. We are two and a half point favorites of the game. The total spread is sixty-five points. Do we cover our two and a half points, and do we cover the uh, spread in the total? I don't like the coverage. I think the spread is kind of an easier bet on this one. I think, you know, it's going to be a really close game, and either team could easily pull away with it. Um, but the total, I feel like. I think it was what you say, 65? Yeah, 65. I think that's a lot of points, but these offenses are easily capable of putting up 65. So I say I say you take the over. I think we it's going to be a shootout at Mackey on Saturday. Even with the weather, I think both teams still find the way to put the ball in the end zone a lot. Yeah, I think now that we're talking about I know off-air I said I don't think we hit the over, but I think we hit the over. Yeah. The, these, these two teams are going to be scoring a lot. Hopefully they'll be scoring a lot because I know one team at least is going to be scoring, and that's Hawaii. So if we can just keep it going – and kind of match their tempo and match their scoring, then we'll be in for a really good game. We are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I think we easily cover that. All we need is a field goal. And I know if our MVP is going to be trotting out there, I know if Talton's going to go out there, you know, in the dying seconds, I know he's going to be able to put it up through the uprights. So it will be an interesting game to watch. I think we win 30, 
eight to thirty-five. Huh. Field goal. Tall MVP again. Again. Um, I'm gonna have to flip this one. Uh, beginning of the season, I we were making our preseason predictions, and we were both looking at the schedule, and this was one of the games I kind of circled and was like. This could easily go either way, but it's going to depend on how each team kind of starts their season out. And I think Hawaii's just been super hot beating two Pac-12 teams. Even though they are coming to Mackey and they have a terrible record in Mackey, I think Don't they, you say it. I think they barely squeaked this one out. Don't you say by it. By a field goal, I think it's going to be around your score. I th- I was thinking 38-35, but it might be a little less, but I'm going to I'm gonna stick with the 38-35. Hawaii squeaks it out. Wow. Um, I think it's going to come down to the very last quarter, though, and I think it's going to be an amazing game to watch. Well, Monday is going to be interesting. The Monday recording is going to be interesting because one of us is going to be right. One of us is going to be wrong. But we will find out tomorrow, 730 at Mackey Stadium. Again, if you are a absolute lunatic that doesn't like football for some reason, watch on ESPN2. And uh, you'll be able to watch us whoop on the Rainbow Warriors. Tyler, do you have any more, uh, any last thoughts? I mean, if you're picking out for a game out of the whole season to go out to Mackey, I think it might be this, this is the game. Yep. I think that this has the best Mountain West implications. I think it's probably going to be one of the best games we play all year. You know, Purdue, it's going to be hard to beat the Purdue game, obviously. But I think it's going to be, when we look back on it, when it's all said and done, I think it's easily going to be the one of the top three games that we pay, play all year in terms of performance, in terms of, you know, the matchups and everything like that. So definitely get out to Mackey. If you're not playing to already, try to. I know there's probably going to be a lot of people selling tickets now that they hear the weather. Yeah. Bring a poncho. You'll be all right. Yeah, you'll be Stick all right. Stick it out, and let's get this dub. You got to come out to Mackey Stadium and watch the pack whoop on the Rainbow Warriors. Thank you guys for listening so much, and go Pack.